Good morning and welcome to On Fire Radio, brought to you by Catskill Mountain Christian Center, a full gospel family church and Christian academy located at 629 Main Street in beautiful Margaretville, New York. What a great day to go to church. If you don't have a church, come on over to Catskill Mountain Christian Center. We would love for you to be our guest this morning. That's Catskill Mountain Christian Center this morning at 10 o'clock. If you'd like more information about On Fire Radio or Catskill Mountain Christian Center, give us a call at 845-586-4848. I'm Renard Bartow, and I'd like to invite you to join us for the next 30 minutes as we bring you On Fire Radio. Now let's go to Pastor Bob Engelhart with today's message. I started this word with the concept of a derivative. A derivative is a substance that can be made from another substance. Come early springtime, the maple trees start, the sap starts running, right? And that sap is a derivative of the maple tree, right? It's not the whole maple tree, but it's part of the maple tree. But it comes from the maple tree, and then they cook it down, and it's, it's delicious, right? The maple syrup is delicious and, you know, all of that. But it's a derivative. And I fear that in our normal daily lives that we see heaven as a derivative of earth, that we see our faith as a human derivative of what actually is the other way around. Because the very, very first verse of the Bible is in the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. That means that whatever is material whatever is of time, space, matter, including you and me, this building, the universe, everything that we see, the time that we spend here, is all derivative of God's reality. And the, the Bible says God never changes. I mean, I'm, if we I get to it, we're going to share some of that today. But that God doesn't ever really change. I mean, God is the eternal one. I really love what Nancy got recently where she was sharing the gospel with someone and said to that person, you know, the speed of light is 186,000 miles per second. And as you approach the speed of light, time slows down. Now, that doesn't seem possible to us because we feel like time is a constant right? The time is a constant. Matter is a constant. Those things are constants. But that's not true. It's one of the things that Einstein discovered, that as, as, as an object were to, were to approach the speed of light, time slows down. I remember even as a child in school, they would teach us that if you went really fast to another planet and came back, you know, you would be kind of young still, and the planet may have gone through thousands of years while you were gone at such a high speed. But when you hit that speed of light, 
time ceases. And so Nancy was sharing with this particular woman that she was sharing the gospel with, she's saying, what, what's after that? What comes after that? And that's eternity. That's where there is no more time. The Bible says to, to God, one day is as a thousand years, and a thousand years is as one day, right? So we understand that that time is, is um, it's not as stable. It's not eternal. Time is not eternal. Time is, is something that, that can come and go. And you see, God is the manufacturer, right? If I got a, a Ford plant or a Chevy plant or a Volkswagen plant, right? These little cars that come out all day long from these plants, they're derivative of all of those people working together, putting parts on things, and that's a derivative. We are derivative of eternity. We are derivative. It's God's word that never, never changes. We always change. As a matter of fact, my, my old workmate, Fred the Atheist, I called him. I always called him Fred the Atheist. He called me Bob the Christian. And um, we, we had a lot of conversation, not always so friendly, but he was um, pretty committed to his atheism. And on the back, uh, he, we both taught vocational shops at, in a New York State prison. I taught printing, he taught drafting. And uh, our shops were next door to each other. So we'd have lunch sometimes. And uh, behind his desk, he had this big engraved sign. And his engraved sign said, reality is change. And as an atheist, as one who doesn't believe in eternity, right, or, or that we're derivative, you know, that's absolutely true because everything changes on the earth. Everything changes in the solar system, in the universe. Everything changes. You and I are going to, if you're young, you're going to become old. If you're old, you're going to come to the end of your um, little journey down here on earth and, and find out what you hope was true is true, right? And um, received by Jesus and, and brought into this place. The Bible says, I has not seen nor ear heard, nor has he even entered into the heart of a human being the things that God has prepared for those who love him. So this idea of heaven being this fluffy cloud place where we have harps and diapers on and stuff, you know, it's not that. You know, God's, God's eternity is going to be purposeful. It's going, it's going to be fun. It's going to be exciting. There's going to be adventure. There's going to be creativity. There's going to be eternity with purpose. And we don't even see it now because we see our life spanning out maybe 100 years. If you, you're, you know, you're good and fortunate and take care of yourself and don't get run over by a Mack truck or anything like that. You, 
might, might make it, right? And that's what we see, the span of life. But that's just the embryonic aspect of life before we're born into our eternal aspect of life. So it, it's important to understand that we're derivative. And God, Jesus said the heavens and the earth are going to pass away. They're going to change. They're going to change form. But my word will by no means pass away. That means when science is gone, when cars are gone, and iPhones are gone, and uh, your great looks are gone, and your, your accomplishments are gone, and your failures are gone, and your, your heartache is gone, and everything else is gone, Jesus' word will be available forever. For, forever. Jesus' word will be available forever. It will, it will never fade away. There'll never be a time where we, sit, where we say, Didn't they, wasn't there a guy Jesus once? No. No, Jesus is the king eternal, immortal, eternal. And that's why he's so easy to love because he is, there's nothing better than Jesus. Listen, I've been around 65 years, 65 and a half, a little more than 65 and a half, actually. I've been around a few years. I've never found anything even close to as good as Jesus. And I didn't even know him until I was 26 years old. And I was trying to find all the good things I could find on this planet. I was trying to fill myself with all the good things I could find on this planet. And then I found Jesus, and I said, wow, there's nothing better than Jesus. There's no sense of joy. There's no sense of... There's a fear, but it's such a clean fear. I had a clean fear of parents, my dad in particular. But it was a clean fear. It was a good fear. It was a fear born of love knowing that he was watching out for me and he wanted the best for me. And he had to train me because I was naturally not civilized. Are you following me? And that's what the father is doing. The father chastises everyone he loves, the Bible says. The father chastises everyone he loves. So that means that life isn't always going to be a joy ride. And we don't get saved just so we can have a cherry pie and, you know, whatever the world considers to be good. So underneath the heading of faith, I put praise, worship, and prayer because I, I get concerned sometimes that we come to church and we sing our songs and we lift our hands And we're thinking about everything but God. We're just not, he's just, he's just not what we're connecting with, you know? And, and, and so then what, what are praise and worship and prayer? How do they differ and how are they the same? I just, it's not a new word. You won't hear anything new here preached. You never will, actually, because the same book. You know, I'm not looking for some new 
great uh, fancy doctrine that I can teach that nobody ever got before. I'm not looking for that. Because I believe the main truth is the plain truth and the plain truth is the main truth. I think you can read the Bible as a child and pretty much understand it. You know, there's good and there's evil and good is better than evil. You're supposed to do good, not so much evil, right? So anyway, so let me just go down quickly. Praise, worship, and prayer. Number one, praise. The word praise um, occurs 278 times in the Bible. 278 times in your Bible is the word praise. In the book of Psalms alone is 164 of times that the word praise is used. So you have to ask yourself, what is praise? What is praise? See, we really don't praise. The closest thing in our culture we come to praising is, is sports, as near as I can tell. Maybe a political figure, if you really, you know, that's your, your thing, or some great movie star. You may, may, may almost want to praise somebody's performance in a movie or something. That's a kind of a praise. A praise is an, an expression of approval, commendation, value, merit. It's a celebration, and, it, it, and, it, and there's, a, there's a slight difference, kind of, between praise and worship, although they're part of each other. Praise and worship are part of each other. Praise is the one that tends to be the more effusive, emotional act. Praise is when you let your body know you love God. You know, you, when, you, when, you, when you can laugh and you can shout hallelujah. Hallelujah. You know, it took me about five years before I even understood what the word hallelujah meant. Hallelujah. What is hallelujah? You know, you don't say hallelujah. I got a new dog. You know, or, or hallelujah, I married a pretty girl. You know, you don't say hallelujah to that. It's just a God word, hallelujah. But what does it mean, hallelujah? And all it is is the, the, the total expression of every good thought that you can have in perfection toward the one that you're praising. That's hallelujah. Hallelujah is praise God. Hallelujah. Praise you, Lord. I would, I want, I'm going to start a thing. I'm going to start something. You know, like you always want to start something? I want to hear people say, praise the Lord again. Here we go. Right there. That's right. I want to hear Christians saying, praise the Lord in public places again. I want them to say, you know, Gee whiz, did you know this was on sale? No, I didn't. Praise the Lord to the people who are around. So everybody hears you say, praise the Lord. And then they can laugh at you. And you could laugh at them laughing at you. Because you know what you're saying is the truth. Because you are praising the Lord. And it's not just a thing that you're saying. It's not just saying. 
but it's what, who you are in the deepest essence of your, of, your, of your inner self. Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. You go through hard times. You know what you do when you go through hard times? You praise the Lord. Genesis chapter 1 shows that we are, the material world is derivative of the spiritual world. The spiritual world, the living God, who you can't see with your eyeballs, is more real and more tangible than anything else in this room or on this planet. God is more tangible than anything on this planet. If you can get that into your heart and you can, and you can believe that with your full faith uh, uh, ability and you always will know that God is with you wherever you go, whatever you do, whatever you say, that God is with you, he will never leave you or forsake you. The Bible says he'll never leave you or forsake you. And he's real enough to do anything. God created people. Ford creates Mustangs. People are a whole lot more complex and sophisticated than Mustangs. And 10,000 Mustangs come, come across the line and they're all identical to each other, maybe different color or something, right? But there's not two human beings ever created exactly the same. And we can tell that by our fingerprints. You'll go to jail for the rest of your life because your fingerprints are on the murder weapon. Because no two of us are exactly alike. That's derivative. That's derivative. That's an ability to be creative that we can't even imagine God's creativity. We can't even imagine God's creativity. And then we spend our whole life trying to be the same as everybody else. And I don't think there's any, you don't, you don't get any badge for being a weirdo, you know? I think, you know, there is something about being social creatures and, right, all of that kind of thing. So we don't, we don't have to be, yeah, I lo love it when Paul says, Paul says, it, you know, if you think I'm a weirdo, that's, that's, that's because that's how much I love God. If you think I'm normal, that's just I'm faking it. That's for your sake. Yeah. He says, if you think I'm normal, you think I'm intelligent or something, maybe you'll, you'll, you'll catch the gospel a little bit from me because you think I'm normal enough to listen to. That's for your sake. But if you think I'm a wacko, that's for God because I'm a wacko. I'm a wacko for Jesus. Does that make sense to you? <laughs> the church has spent the last 30 years trying to normalize itself so it can be accepted by the culture. Instead of being like Jesus and being accepted by God, and let the culture want to be like us. Follow? 
This is, um, I'm just going to share a couple of short pieces of this story, which is a lot longer, but it's when David brings the Ark of the Covenant down into Jerusalem. If you can remember that, it's in the book of um, 2 Samuel. And um, they, they start bringing it down, and they realize something's wrong because God strikes Uzzah dead, right? Who's, they got the Ark on the on a, on a new, brandy new ox cart. And, and if you think about that for a while, you think about how... Um, disrespectful that is to God to put the, the box, the Ark of the Covenant that represented the presence of God on an ox cart is very disrespectful to God. There's only one way that God moves in this culture. There's only one entity that has the ability to move the presence of God. That's human beings. Because it's people that are made in God's image. So after David parks the ark and says, we're in trouble. We're doing something wrong here. And he parks it at Obed-Edom's house. And Obed-Edom suddenly wins the lottery and you know, he gets uh, strikes gold or, you know, everything good happens to Obed-Edom. David gets mad. He says, no, I want that ark down, down in Jerusalem where it belongs in the city of God. So he takes another whole tag. Instead of moving it on an ox cart, he moves it on the shoulders of the Levites, which is the way that God told them to move it in the first place. Right? And I really believe that there were one, two, three, four guys holding it and one guy in front of the four guys and I think that's representative of the fivefold ministry in the New Testament apostle prophet evangelist pastor and teacher right so so second uh, Samuel 22 <clears throat> now David's coming up with this idea of taking six steps stopping and every six steps, leaping and whirling and dancing before the ark of the Lord, right? He goes like nuts. He's got this linen ephod on because he would be too hot, dancing like that. It's, like, it's almost like a very light garment that he's gone on. But he is literally, he's the king of the country. He's the king of the country. But said, then David spoke to the Lord the words of this song, and on the day the Lord delivered him from the hand of all of his enemies, from the hand of Saul, and he said, the Lord is my rock and my fortress and my deliverer. First of all, before I get to that scripture, the Lord is my rock. The rock is the hardest substance that they could relate to on this planet. That's why the Lord is called the rock, because the rock doesn't change. Everything else changes, but the rock is secure. Jesus said the one who builds his house on the rock is the one who's the stable Christian. The one who builds his house on the sinking sand is going to be washed away when the flood comes. Amen? He says, the God of my strength in whom will I trust, my shield and the horn of my salvation, my stronghold and my refuge, my Savior, 
You save me from violence. I will call upon the Lord who is worthy to be praised. So shall I be saved from, the en from my enemies. I will call upon the Lord who is worthy to be praised. Now listen, when I praise the Lord, I want you to know something. I praise the Lord out of my will. Um, and, for, and now 2 Samuel 6. It was told King David found out. They said, hey, the Lord has blessed the house of Obed-Edom. Now, now that the ark is parked over there. And all that belongs to him because of the ark of, the ark of God. So David went and brought the ark of God from the house of Obed-Edom to the city of David with gladness. See, David put on gladness. He put on gladness. He said, I'm going to do this with gladness. He wasn't just glad. He said, I've got to do this with gladness. I've got, I've, got to, I've got to make myself happy when I move this ark. I've got to do this with gladness. You don't, when you read these uh, psalms, you don't see how, how frequently your will is expected to be involved. When we worship Sunday morning, why do we not worship? Why do we not moan ancient hymns? You know, there's nothing the matter with them, and in their time and in their moment, they were wonderful. But I'm going to tell you something. If you read your Bible, how they worshiped in the book of Psalms, they raised holy hands, they danced, they played instruments, they did everything before the Lord. So David now is bringing the Ark of the Covenant with gladness down into Jerusalem. He's taking six steps, represents the six days of the week. It's the last seventh day, the last day, they rest. And they worship and do sacrifices just like we're doing this morning. And so it was when those who were bearing the Ark of the Lord had gone six paces that he sacrificed oxen and fatted sheep. And then um, David danced before the Lord with all his might. The king led the parade, dancing with all his might. He danced before the Lord. This is out of his will, folks. He didn't just say, I'm so excited, the ark is coming, I'm just going to dance. I'm just going to dance. No, he says, I got to dance. I'm going to show the Lord how pleased I am that he's allowing me to bring the ark of his presence into Jerusalem. And he danced with all his might. And David was wearing a linen ephod. So David and all the house of Israel brought up the ark of the Lord, shouting. They were shouting with a, with a sound of the trumpet. And as the ark of the Lord came into the city uh, of David, Michal, Saul's daughter, who David, was David's wife, looked through the window and saw King David leaping and whirling before the Lord. And she despised him in her heart. Why? Because he's the king. Right? Her father was the king. King Saul was the king. He was a very dignified king. King David comes down into Jerusalem, leaping and whirling in, an, in a linen ephod, not in his kingly garb, in a linen ephod, leaping and whirling before the Lord, and she resented him in her heart. So when they brought the ark of the Lord and set it in his place in the midst of the tabernacle that David had erected for it, um, jump to verse 20, then David returned to bless his household, and Michal, the daughter of Saul, came out to meet David. The wife is at the door waiting for 
buddy boy to come home. And she said to him, how glorious was the king of Israel today uncovering himself in the eyes of the maids and the maid servants, and one of the base fellows shamelessly uncovers himself. So David said, honey? I put that honey in there. It's not in your Bible, but just go with it, okay? David said to Michal, it was before the Lord. Listen, it wasn't for you, sweetheart. It was for the Lord who chose me instead of your father and all of his house to appoint me ruler over the people of the Lord over Israel. Therefore, I will play music before the Lord and I will be even more undignified than this and I will, I will humble myself in my own sight. But as for the maidservants of whom you have spoken, by them I will be held in honor. Can we praise again? Thank you for joining us today. We pray that God has used this message to minister to you. If you would like to help financially support the work of Catskill Mountain Christian Center, you can go to our website and give at www.cmcconline.org. There you'll find options how to give online safely and securely. And to find out more about Catskill Mountain Christian Center, you can follow us on all of our social media platforms. You can follow the handle at CMCC Church at Facebook, YouTube, Twitter, and Instagram. You can also head over to our website at www.cmcconline.org. And on behalf of Pastor Bob Inglehart and everyone here at Catskill Mountain Christian Center, this is Jake Johnson signing off. God bless, and thank you for joining us this morning.